Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And for today's episode, we are going to be going over and discussing Anne's pick, Avengers Academy, written by Christos Gage and art by Mike McCone, Jorge Molina, and others. We hit him with an et al. in the first <laughs> the 27 first 27 <laughs> seconds of this episode there's so many it's it's the problem with like longer series like this it's just artists just kind of you know come and go and it gets really hard <laughs> so sorry if you're part of that at all but we, we got to do something we gotta we gotta even this out especially on a marvel comic marvel oh, yeah. loves the fill-in artist dc loves to pick the strangest artist you've ever thought of for a book they're like let's put brian hitch on the book about children and you're like what why are we doing that why is the guy from The Authority drawing teenagers? Because <laughs> he can't draw an adult's hairline, so he might as well try a child's. Poor guy. Like, sometimes it's like, man, this man got set up for failure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't draw a convincing hairline. But also, it's not my job to draw a convincing hairline, so. <laughs> Forget the hairline. I can't draw the face that goes with the hairline, so. <laughs> true, true. Noses have always been my big thing. Oh, I feel like I draw pretty well and then I get to the nose and I'm like, got to get that Fiona Staples little shadow V underneath and we'll call it a nose, baby. (laughs) I'm just going to do the the Steppen Sajic thing and just kind of do like Voldemort slits sometimes. It's just like, that's close enough. Yes. Good enough. Excellent. Well, if the titties are out to here, who's looking at the nose? (laughs) I like that both of our references, both of our favorite comic books have boobs out the wazoo. And I think... Mm -hmm. That has to say something hmm. about us. I like I Alexis. Women. Alexis is like, let's read Bone. And <laughs> Anne and I are like, Boner Town. <laughs> She's like, Bone? We're like, Boner. Bone Town. Let's go. Let's go to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting off to a great start. Oh. Fantastic. It's a weirdly, it. a weirdly on par start for an Avengers Academy podcast. <laughs> I had to, like, no-prize these kids to be 19, so I wasn't, like, watching 16-year-olds do the nasty with each other. It's always awkward. When you're a kid, it's not as awkward because you're like, hey, these kids are like me. They also think about sex. But then every time you go back as an adult to read the same thing, you're like, uncomfy. Mega uncomfy. I I am a voyeur and a criminal. (laughs) A criminal. 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 (sighs) So let's talk about all of this um first things first if you could attend any fictional school learn from any fictional character who would it be okay so this one i i i I keep going back and i keep thinking like um because you know like these academy stories there's so many of them out there i think one of my favorites is always like i've always really wanted to go to like the justice society because there was that one arc where it's like they were teaching like the next generation how to be like they were and the just they've always said like the dc universe the justice society is like a family so i'm like i would like to go and learn from the really cool dads and grandmas and shit and figure out how to be a superhero from them that seems like the most wholesome thing to me and that's like that's like my first pick x-men would have been second pick but with the first pick i don't have to worry about being hate crime as much so i'm going with the first pick 
that is that's my big takeaway from Avengers Academy in general. I was like, oh, this is the X Men without the hate crimes. Right. Mm-hmm. This is if you don't want to be hate crimed, <laughs> just be a mutant in 2010. They'll say you don't have an X gene. You're actually an Avenger. That was like this whole book. I was like, these damn mutant kids and their loophole away from Fox without their X gene. What is this madness? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Lexi, how about you? I don't know. I'd be like, I'm a whole lot less wholesome than both of you. So if there's any villain academy, sign me up. I'm ready to be the villain of this podcast. This is the the least surprising thing that's happened in 2021 or 2022. (laughs) It's a different year. I was reading um, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And when the Legion of Supervillains comes back from the 30th oh, century, because they heard about <laughs> Superman was going to lose. And so they come in, they're like, we're here to help you lose, bitch. And, then, <laughs> and he doesn't lose fast enough. And they're like, we're going back to the future. This was incredibly more difficult than we anticipated. <laughs> it was so funny. I was dying at this team like, hello, we're here to kill you. And it's like, never mind. <laughs> hang out with people like that they just sound exciting it was so funny it was team rocket i was dying i was like why oh, does superman oh, team have rocket. team rocket i want to be on team rocket <laughs> your meowth your meowth no i am not <laughs> i'm sorry uh, you're meow- right for trouble <laughs> mm. All right, so we've got JSA, Team Rocket. It's fine. Oh, I'm dead. I'm dying. Oh, shit. That is Beat so that funny. Dallas. Am I going to make that my new profile picture? Please. Oh, my God. Please. You're literally Meowth. That's so oh. funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so... I have a very soft spot for the Percy Jackson books. Oh, shit. I love, that's a good one. I, I would love to go to Camp Half Blood. That would be really mm-hmm. fun as far as academia goes. Like like any kid that was born in 1997, I had a fondness for Harry Potter, and I no longer have that fondness for Harry Potter. <laughs> and so I will go to Camp Half Blood because they aren't hateful. I was just valid. Percy Jackson's the series I would have got into if I had future vision and could predict so much more. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's just the reason I wanted to start off like that. It's just because books like this, they feed into like that fantasy for a lot of younger people, especially just the need to get away to find some place where you belong and some place where you feel special. And where else do you feel more special than with your favorite heroes? And that's one of the reasons why when I was looking for books to read, I think about two years ago, this was like one of the books that like called me because it's like, this sounds like a real fun time. This sounds like a blast. And then I pick it up and I start reading issue one and I get to the end of it and a lot is going on in my head. And there's several things where it's like, okay, this is not what I was expecting at all. And it's actually interesting me a lot more than I thought it was going to, because this is a book that contextually is coming off a lot in the Marvel universe. There's a lot of context and feelings and themes that have been playing out in the universe for the last three to four years that play really heavily into the start of this book and through these first two to three arcs that we read. And I think that's what made this so much more interesting to me than a lot of the other books I was reading at the time, because 
there's just something special here about these characters. And we get it at the end of that first issue where they find out that they're here not because they are the best of the best or because they are special, but they're here because the teachers are scared of them and worried that they're going to turn into the next masters of evil. And Alexis. Yeah. They're like Alexis. They're like Alexis. They're all yeah, meow. And that's one of the that's one of the places I want to start with this one, because I wanted to give a little bit of context behind the start of the series, which I wish I could have given both of you before you started this. Actually, before I get into that, I wanted to ask, because this is your first time through it, Lexi, and your first time through it, Dallas. Mm-hmm. What did each of you think of this? The first 20 issues of Avengers Academy. I thought it was really fun. I liked it a lot. I like the um, I have yet to read a Academy book so i liked it it was fun i felt i felt very related like they're very relatable with their stupid teenager problems so perfect it worked i was gonna say you are the the youngster of the group so an infant since i aged all y'all last week saying i grew up with young (laughs) justice yeah you (laughs) that was horrible when you didn't say justice league unlimited i was like i grew up with you and i knew (laughs) i knew you were little but like my eyes sunk into my head. I was like the end of you Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Giving us and my friends like little <laughs> midlife crises. It's okay. It's fine. We still love need you. To go get Botox. Get it together. Come on. Oh, Botox. Anyways. So I want to get the kind of Botox that makes you uglier. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what? I want to, you know. Eventually. you got to start good and then get worse. Mm-hmm. You know, when you like start to look like this. Oh, yeah. like <clears throat> when you start to look like metal. You look like uh, Joan Rivers is the one that oh, pops yeah. to mind for me. Yep. Poorly. Or Donatello Versace. Mm, spooky. <laughs> Donatello's a ninja turtle, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> There's no ninja turtle Botox. I don't know. His name, last name isn't Versace. It's the ninja turtle. So, <laughs> honestly... Oh. I, you guys see what I have to deal with on this podcast? I just have to <laughs> reload this. back in all the time. Like, come oh on, gosh. back to the Ninja Turtles. This is why Zencaster decided to mute you earlier. <laughs> this is why okay. it's going to do it again too. I can see the future. So my, my cat is going sicko mode. So you might not be wrong. <laughs> Dallas, what did you think about Avengers Academy? Okay, so I had complex feelings about Avengers Academy because mm-hmm. I feel like. I kept wanting it. I think it had an uphill battle for me because I was like, it's not the X-Men and the X-Men are my favorite. And the young Avengers are so much gayer and that's more fun for me. (laughs) And then my current like sweet little babies with strange Academy, I was like, I just felt like defensive of all the other academies I like, but then these little rapscallions just kept winning me over. (laughs) They kept making decisions that I was like, oh, you villainous little twits. I love you. Except for Vale. I wanted to, I wanted to like get a vacuum cleaner and like suck her up while she was in gas mode. Like, get into that. So long, Vale. Goodbye. We'll get so into that. But that's so cool that you mentioned all of that because there's so many of these points that we need to touch on. And the one I'm thinking about is like just how it makes you feel like defensive over the other Academy stories. And it's just, 
<clears throat> there's so many of these. You know, there's so many stories where it's these younger heroes trying to fit in, trying to be relatable. Because, you know, it's an audience, it's a target demographic that Marvel wants to hit. So, of course, they're going to put out a lot of comics for it. But that also means that you have to fight some pretty well-known titles to stand out. Like this book's going on at the same time as both as like Young Avengers, Runaways, and um, X Men. Did I say X Men already? It's Young Just <laughs> Gosh, Young Avengers, X Men, and Runaways all at the same time. See what I'm doing? I'm like mixing them all up because there's so many of them, and it's one of the reasons why I think this was so special to me is because it's the one out of all those that like even though there are so many, this is the one I remembered really really well. And I think it's because it plays really well into the DNA of what was happening at Marvel at the time. This is the start of what they called the heroic age at Marvel, which is right after um, the series of events that started with Civil War and um, culminated in um, Siege and the Dark Avengers and all that fun stuff. It's a weird period of time that we don't see a lot in comics anymore, where one event actually set up a different status quo that lasted across all titles for a good three years and we saw that that event led into like civil war led into secret invasion which led into the dark avengers which led into siege and all this really crazy stuff it's like a trilogy of like unfortunate events befalling the marvel universe for the before things like jump back to normal and there's so much that fallout that happens here both tonally and contextually and we see a lot of that not just in the students but in the teachers as well and i think that's such a cool aspect of marvel that we don't really see that much anymore these are characters who are fundamentally broken in one way or another both and and that goes for the students and the teachers which is crazy because it's like you you figure you wouldn't want the broken teachers to be the ones teaching the broken students but i thought that was a really unique thing that christos gage did here where he's like actually i do want the broken teachers teaching these broken students because if anyone understands how to get past that it's these guys. I'm going to bring in Quicksilver because he was a past villain. I'm going to bring in Tiger because she's dealing with a lot of shit right now. And I'm going to bring in Justice because he got arrested for killing his father. There's so much here that just shouldn't work. But yet it does. And we see this journey of these characters going from really, really broken and pretty much assholes. You read this book and it's one of the things that shocked me again reading it for the first time. It's just how unlikable some of these characters are at times and how much they rub me the wrong way like hazmat especially who's like a favorite of mine like a, a little baby doll and it's just the way she starts here she's so snappy and she's saying so many things that you're like oh you'd be canceled on twitter <laughs> you're done just go sit in the corner you're it's it's done for the day and it's just to see her grow through the story and to understand why she's lashing out like this and why she's having these issues and to see her start to become a better person is just a really magical thing that doesn't happen a lot in comics because sometimes you get characters like this and you don't get to see their arcs play out or they get too sidetracked by tie-in events which this is a series that really gets sidetracked by tie-ins sometimes but in a really good way that we'll get to when we talk more about the fear itself stuff but it's just for when it happened it's a book that couldn't happen today for a lot of reasons and i think that's really cool it that's what makes it stand out to me and before we go any further we're gonna be talking about characters and story points in just a second but i do need to give a short um tr trigger warning because there's a lot in this book that happens there will be um aspects of self-harm and different forms of assault that we're going to be talking about so if any of those are something that's potentially triggering for you i just wanted to give you that heads up those will be topics that we'll be discussing as we go further on so with that all being said 
Lexi, do you want to start talking about some of these very unique characters in this book? Of course I do. So do you, I kind of feel like I should start by like introducing all of our like students, our players, <laughs> I guess you could say. All the, little, um, all the little dum-dums. All the little shitheads. Tell us about these little sons of bitches. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Especially Hazmat. I just, she just real, she real cute. She real hard pill to swallow. But also she my favorite. <laughs> she is know? the favorite. Like, she is the top. Love her a lot. Her and metal. Her and her metal. metal. My metal. whole heart. I was not prepared to love metal as much as I did. I was like, what is this? When they made the joke about like him being the Red Skull son, I was like, yeah. LMAO, I thought. I was like, who's this Red <laughs> yep. Skull looking ass? I was like, that is a funny meta commentary. I'm interrupting though. You go. No, you're, it's, well, it's because it's true. But, um, so we have our, our new little Avengers team. We have Vale, who we all hate and would love to suck her up into a vacuum because she sucks ass. Um, Hazmat. Reptil, who just reminds me of Dinosaur Beast Boy. The best boy. The best boy. <laughs> of course, boy. Dallas loves him. Um, Striker, who I don't know why, but also, side note, I watched um, Invincible, the TV show, and he reminds me of that douche canoe in that show. So, oh, I can see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Same vibes. Rex Explode. Rex Explode. Yep. Rex. Yep. Same vibes. Um, and then Invincible finesse. Has the, Invincible has the best superhero names. Yeah. Rexplode. When you meet Kaboomerang, like that is the funniest name that's ever existed. Can I Are change my me? opinion on who I want to hang out with? I think yes. he wants to mm-hmm. be that. Okay. Kabo- Kaboomerang. What would be your punny name? What, what's your punny name? Oh, girl, I don't know. Meow. Anyway. <laughs> Team Rocket is blasting away! Oh, no. Oh. But yeah, and then we have Finesse and our lovely little boy, Metal, who's not little, but he's humongous. He's a big boy. Yeah, so we have all of those. Those are our main quote-unquote characters. They're the students. They're Mm -hmm. the ones who have all the issues (laughs) relatable because they're teenagers. But Mm -hmm. And then we have our teachers who we have Hank Pym, which made me chuckle out loud that he was in this comic book. And Tigra, who I kid you not, I was reading this on my phone, and Carson, my boyfriend, comes and looks over me, my shoulder and goes, why does that tiger have titties? And I said, that's a good question. <laughs> when, in the book, when she was like, single mom that also sheds doesn't get a lot of swipes up on match, I was like, I'd swipe up, honey. I, 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 love you. I, was like, I was like, I don't know what that says about me, but like. Pardon my French. Let's go. I would fuck this tiger, and I like I, I had to sort through those feelings. I was like, "Honey, does this make me a weirdo?" She's like, yes. "No, I'd fuck that tiger too." And she's I was like, hot. "She's a hot tiger. She's got it going on." Me, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And so after Tiger, we've got Justice, who I have absolutely no experience with. Never have been introduced to his character before, which is. Fun, I guess. Yep. Fun um, new warrior stuff, which yeah, we exactly. have not another, touched on. So another misfit to just another put one of in those, your like, folder. Exactly, <laughs> another one of those little the teen groups, the kid groups that there's just at least five of them. There's at yeah. least five, probably five times as many. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's fun. Um, and then we get Speedball, who, mm-hmm. um. I also have never had an experience with, but he kind of has, he's got a lot to unpack, which we'll get there. Exactly. 
And then we've got Yocasta. Is that how you say her name? Or is it pronounced? I've always said Jocasta, but yeah. that might just be because I'm stupid. I was like, it could go either way. It's spelled say, with a J. I have also said Jocasta, but then again, I'm not sure if I'm any smarter than Dallas. So we'll, we'll... I, we, we'll, we can go with Indiana Jones rule and J makes a Y sound. Okay. Which... Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I was right. Knowing Hebrew, uh, that's a stupid way to explain that thing, Indiana Jones. Welcome to the Indiana Jones is a bad archaeologist oh podcast. Where... And yet he's still your idol. Love that man. Love, hmm. love him. Because mm-hmm. he's suavemente, man. <laughs> if I was a grave robber that pulled that many birds, I would be that way too. <laughs> oh, hell. Who's, who's more suave, Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Indiana mm. Jones, man. Wrong. It's the president Wrong. from Air Force One. <laughs> False. It's Blade Runner. He, he beat everything that, that Indiana Jones and Han Solo ever did together when he said, get off my plane. And then Get broke off. Gary Oldman's neck. Just saying. That's just a fact. All I'm saying is that when Decker uh, did the Decker thing, that was pretty suave. The, the, the Decker thing? That Decker, Decker thing. thing. Decker didn't even get to do the cool thing in that movie. That was the yeah. teardrops in the rain line. Anyways, Harrison Ford podcast over. Back to characters. Oh, Sorry, Lex. No, no. I have to say, I have to say, oh. I don't think Blade Runner is a very good adaptation of my favorite book, Do Androids mm-hmm. Dream of Electric Sheep? Send. Send tweet bad adaptation Delete, is it still tweet. a good movie it is still a good movie but it's hard for me because i love that book so much I've that like mm-hmm. it feels i'm like this, i recognize this is a good movie but like this is supposed to be an adaptation of this book i love and it's not that's why i'm actually scared to watch stardust to read stardust because i love the movie so much but <gasps> it's a neil gaiman book and i'm like if i read this book is it gonna make the movie worse it's such a good movie right so good. I feel Alex, like have you not seen it? I have. I just don't remember loving it, but I watched it when I was I also boy. was like seven when I, I watched think... it the first time. So. <laughs> so think... Child movie. Okay. Magic. Star- <laughs> I think Stardust, much like Labyrinth, is made for the female gaze. Mm. <laughs> and so Still as a boy watching Labyrinth. it, you're like, hmm. I remember watching Labyrinth with like this girl, and she's like, this is the greatest movie ever. And like halfway through when David Bowie's like, flipping his dick around in his tights i was like i can see why you like this movie got it. but also like i got okay i get it you know who else it. is you know who else loves that movie dallas and that just makes me laugh wyatt bird that Honestly, is his favorite word, movie word that that tracks that makes sense oh okay anyway yocasta our lovely titanic queen um and then we also have our villain quicksilver who nobody can change my mind, but he is a villain in this. Just straight <laughs> villain. He does not give a shit about this school. That honestly, movie. he's just here for the paycheck. King, king shit, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quicksilver yeah, is the messiest movie. bitch, and I he love is. him for it. Alexis, <laughs> Alexis, do you remember when we read the Scarlet Witch and Vision thing? Yes. And his wife had an affair with the boring neighbor, and he was like, This is the end of my life. Yes, and then he ran away. <laughs> <laughs> okay vision and the scarlet witch 12 issue miniseries is possibly so the greatest comic book of all time so good. So it is so favorite. funny necra whose power oh, comes from how much she queen. hates everyone around her the and more toad, she hates, the more powerful she is toad is the villain but he gets defeated by not being into scarlet witch anymore once she's pregnant <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're not hot anymore. I don't want to bother you. I have one. And he gets up and he's like, oh, you're not hot anymore. And then leaves. He 
literally like, ah, it's fine. I'll just go. I'll lay myself out. And Peter Parker shows up to take pictures for the bugle, not as Spider-Man, but because it's tax season. And he's like, I got, I got to get some cash. Yep. (laughs) There's no superhero reason. It's because he can't pay his taxes. (laughs) And Quicksilver's wife has an affair. And Quicksilver's like, this is the end of my life. I'm going to lose my marbles. What what book book did you say this was? The Vision and the Scarlet Witch. Vision and the Scarlet Witch from 1987. Oh my god. When you said the Vision, I thought you were talking Tom King. No. 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 Like, what? No, this is so much better. Right. (laughs) It is so funny. Everyone, go back and listen to me and Alexis's WandaVision episode. Like our first one we ever did. It was the first episode we ever did. And... Maybe don't listen to it. No, it's so fun. That book whips Crack so up. hard. I I have never liked a stupider book more. Like, hits all the right notes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 out of 10, no notes. Are you telling me you didn't like X-Women as much as that? I I still haven't read X-Women. <gasps> oh. It's okay. Keep putting it off because you can. <laughs> so. I know. I don't want to read it. <laughs> I don't know. The truth okay. comes out. Anyway, back to Jocasta. <laughs> or not, back to Quicksilver. No, Quicksilver. We got through all the characters, so let's start talking about, let's focus on the students. Ugh. Who was your favorite student? Hazmat. Hazmat? She's just toxic as fuck. <laughs> so true. That's true. her whole personality. I, I love in the character pages, it says she has a caustic personality, yeah. and that's just like one of her identifying features. I'm like, yeah, that's queen. What she is. Queen shit. <laughs> Yep. She does rule. Having met her as a grown up in mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, going back and seeing her be a piece of shit as a teenager, I was kill like, boyfriend. I was like, mood. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You ever just kill your boyfriend you on your. You just get so excited that you're about to do it that you just like. <laughs> manifest <laughs> manifest your toxicity into the world. In the background, just like. I actually yeah, think that's so. exactly how my first sexual experience went. <laughs> <laughs> just manifested toxicity immediately. <laughs> Uh, I'll text you for sure. Oh, oh my god. Oh, oh yeah, my it's god. It's funny because it's true. He's trash. He is trash. He is trash. He he's, was. he's saintly now. Oh, okay. Good. He's good. just married. He's just married now. He has an outlet. Dallas <laughs> 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 is like, I'll text you, I promise. And he's just like, I would hope it's so. Like, I live I'm here. your wife. <laughs> Uh, she oh. said he has an outlet. Jeez Louise. <laughs> You're the one. Never mind. I won't say that. Never mind. <laughs> Hazmat is one of the characters whose growth I love seeing in this book the most because, like you said, we are very familiar with her from that Captain Marvel series and seeing how she's like still got a little bit of that edge to her and she's still like, what the fuck is going on? Could mm-hmm. you stop, please? This is- and, um, but he- overall, here she's just like, she tells people to bite me. She's making like all these really derogatory comments towards everyone. She keeps calling people ugly and she's just having a time of it, but it's because it's a time in her life where her powers are so out of control. She's pulling a rogue and putting every guy that tries to sleep with her in the hospital. And yeah, understandably I'd probably be a little bit bitter too, if I had to spend the rest of my life in a hazmat suit. Yeah. That's pretty depressing. Yeah, Unless you have a little fun green alien to walk around with. Right. Also love him. Leech. Leech. Right. When he what went to the sp- park. What a special boy. Yeah. You're so nice. That whole moment where she like comes out, and that's that like first moment of real vulnerability I think we've seen from her, where she just comes out and hugs Hank Pym immediately mm-hmm. after realizing she can walk around and not hurt people. 
and it hurts even worse when she goes and sees her parents and her parents are just disappointed that it's not permanent mm-hmm. and baby. yeah i also think it's a really big moment like immediately after that when she realizes like okay if I do that, I'm completely worthless to everyone and I can't help people anymore. She, mm-hmm. she actually makes the conscious decision to like, hey, we can't do that anymore. I need to be ready to fight at all times until you can make it permanent. Keep it to yourself. I'm going to just keep being like this because it's important. Yeah. It's like a major like eye opener moment for right. her when she's like, this is actually more important to me mm-hmm. to be able to do these good things than have my own life back. She's like, I'm, I'm part of a bigger purpose right now. So Exactly. I think that's why this this series feels really good as a binge because you get to see these character moments happening as chapters rather than like monthly installments. This is definitely one of the books I think reads better retrospectively than it probably did reading it in the time it was coming out. I think speaking of the time this book was coming out, mm-hmm. I I feel like I hate pop culture references in comics because mm-hmm. they age like milk. But right. I loved this one because they were my pop culture references. <laughs> I was like, like when they all sing Firework at prom, I was like, was so yes. good. I was mm-hmm. in tears. I was like, I remember, I remember. <laughs> prom. And like oh. them just referencing Dr. Phil and Oprah all the time. I was like, that is like a huge cultural touch point yep. for me as a child. Like my mom always had Oprah and Dr. Phil on. You know what my mom told me like hmm. six months ago? She goes, you know, I was really happy that I gave birth to when you went to you when I did because I got to watch Oprah right after you came out right in time. I said, mom. Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. That tracks. I I love my squiggly little ass with my mom next to her with my legs crossed like mom what's oprah gonna do today (laughs) let's fold some laundry let's see what's happening oh the chimpanzee tore that lady's face off oh Oh, i remember that episode oh no that was the the episode that like shook a nation of children (laughs) i've never met someone who doesn't remember the chimpanzee episode we all wanted (laughs) one until that yeah, and then when she like showed her face and was just like just a hole, and it was like, yeah. oh my gosh! The moment you realize the anymore. Powerpuff, the Powerpuff Girls could not take Mojo Jojo. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> that she just had to go ape shit, and it'd be over. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like that. What? No, this might be making light. Uh, never mind. Never mind that joke. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Okay, never mind. You have more self control than Hazmat does. Congratulations. True. She just is over here toasting her boyfriend. Tiny's ugly. Because, oh, that's yeah, such... you're not wrong. That's such a bitter thing where she's like, why do all the guys who can date me, why are they so ugly? And he's just like, and he's like, I got I your punch. punch. <laughs> and I'm just like, baby. Sweet, Sweet baby, baby boy. Metal is the most he precious boy. Yeah. He, the beach? he wants to be surfing and he just wants to cuddle hazmat. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's just a big buff boy. Yeah. Do you want to talk about metal for a little bit? And then I can tell yeah. you what happens to them after this book. No. Yeah. Okay. Let's start. What What did you think about metal? I thought he was the most special boy. Mm-hmm. And I love the big soft character. Like, mm-hmm. I love Colossus in the 70s and 80s. Um, problematic dating aside. It's very easy for me to, like, no prize that. I don't know what it is, but I'm just like, nope. Nope. I refuse to. He is 17. She is 15. Like, nope. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of 13 and 18. Like, ew, that's weird. But it's so like, I love early Colossus. I love Gentle from X-Men Red. Yep. He's a beautiful boy. And Metal just got added to the list. 
I I think this is, I'm a big soft, frankly. Like I like <laughs> I like Frank quietly Superman because he's a big soft. Like mm-hmm. I dislike it. That's true. You are a big There's soft. Just big yeah. big boy that actually is not going to do anything with all this yeah. mass. God said lineman. I said painter, and that's that's <laughs> the trope that I like. <laughs> you I don't paint, paint. I paint poorly. Look at look at my <laughs> paintbrushes down in here. Oh I my gosh! You. Jen, they're right here. It's like one of those tropes that comes up all the time, but it comes up all the time because it works. The gentle giant, whether you're like Hagrid in Harry Potter, or you're like John Coffey in The Green Mile, it's just something that feels good because there's like something intimidating about something being big. But then once you find out they're just a teddy bear, you just want to hug them, and it's the best feeling in the world. And everything that this man has gone through hurts because it's just it's. It's like weird because like as a, a transgender person, I understand the feeling of looking in the mirror and not being happy with how you look and wanting to change that. And of course, he had it a lot worse than I did. But that's a character that I relate to very, very deeply. Like I completely get it. And that moment when he's with Hazmat right after the um, incident at prom and they're just in the same room together and they just both break down at the weight of the burdens they're carrying. That's that's a moment that hits. That's a moment that stuck with me for years. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. So and tell me, tell me what happens to Metal after oh this no, book. Is it bad? Uh, yeah. Okay. So because I don't see him around much. Nope. Nope. You do not. And there's a reason yeah. for that. It's because he's been dead since 2013. Ah! Okay. So the reason I want to get through Hazmat and Metal before we got to this is because. Around 2012, the series ends. It ends after a pretty good run. I think it gets to about 40 issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got through the first semester here. The second semester is really cool because we get some new um, characters coming in. Um, I believe is it White Tiger. I think that's her name. White Tiger comes in. Um, one of the Power Pack comes in. Um, I think it's Julia Powers. And um, Laura Kenny shows up too. She becomes part of the Avengers Academy. So we get this expanded cast. Um, Komodo comes back, who we saw in the prom um series and they get to go through a lot more growth and development here the aspects of like the future selves come back and we get to see more about what happens to these kids in the future or at least a potential future because after the series ends we go straight into the marvel now where we got a bunch of relaunch titles and one of the titles that came out during this time was avengers arena which was a play on the battle royale um type stories with involving teenagers that were really popular at the time because hunger games was like a big worldwide phenomenon back then and marvel was just kind of like hey let's catch it on that let's do something with that and what happens in the story is a bunch of young characters mostly new because they needed a lot of a um cannon fodder characters who could just be axed off with no real you know loss there but also some characters from the runaways including um chase and um nico and some of the Avengers Academy, including Hazmat, Metal, and Reptil, actually get dropped off in this place called Death World by the villain Arcade. I hate Arcade. I hate Punchable. Most every, punchable time, every time Arcade's on the page, I'm like, I'm going to hate crime, this little yep, kid. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I hate mm-hmm. Arcade. So every time I see he's coming up in like an X-Men issue, Chris Claremont oh. loves Arcade. He comes up all the time, and I'm just like, I... I'm going to throw this omnibus out the window. I hate this little man. It's a story that I really hate because it's really fascinating in concept. It's a story where Arcade's like, I'm done being treated as a, 
you know, throwaway villain. I'm trying to be treated as a joke. So I'm going to kill some fucking kids and let's see people laugh at me after that. And it's really dark and really sad because in Death World, Arcade is basically a god and you cannot hurt him. So basically you're forced to play his Death World game. And a lot of characters get tricked into attacking each other and killing each other. Laura Kenny's um, trigger scent gets used a lot. And to start the whole thing off, he basically is like, well, let me give you a demonstration of what I can do. And Hazmat is one of the students that tries fighting him first. And that's how they find out, oh, he's gone God mode. We actually can't hurt him. So he's like, okay, thanks for volunteering. And he's about to kill Hazmat when Metal steps in the way and volunteers himself instead. And he says, treat yourself or suit yourself, kid. And Metal, unfortunately, gets Dr. Manhattan. Or not Dr. Manhattan, um, Rorschach. And that's the last time we saw Metal. Hazmat would go on to survive the series. And she goes to the follow-up series, Avengers Undercover, where they go undercover with the Masters of Evil to actually find Arcade. And they don't end up killing him, which sucks because he really, 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 really deserves to die. And it's just... A series that a lot of people, for very good reasons, reacted to very poorly because metal was used as the shock value kill in that series. That sucks. Which, yeah, that it makes... does suck. That sucks really bad. <laughs> it's it, it's bad because he's the one character. It's like if you want the shock value kill to let people think like, hey, anyone could die in the series. He's the one to go to. There's actually another Avengers Academy kid who's in it who does die, but we don't meet him until the next arc. His name is Sentinel, and it's just this kid who has a pet Sentinel. Well, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. It's someone's asking, like, "Hey, you're going to cover Avengers um, Arena after this?" I'm like, "No, no. no. We nope. only all right." PSA: We only cover books we like. People or love at least to think recommend. Like exactly, exactly. We may not have liked Lock and Key, but I feel like we had a good conversation yeah. about why it worked and why it didn't work, and we didn't expect to not like it. We thought we we'd love it. Intentions. And so, like, everyone <laughs> loves to me? recommend, like. You guys should read Avengers 200. You guys should read Sins Past. Like, no. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? I don't want to hate things for... If y'all want us to read something crappy, just tell me to read it, and I will because I have no knowledge about anything. Do not trick, do not trick Lexi. Do, do not, not do this. Don't do this to me. I don't even I'm care. Like, I'm like, Lexi, get behind me. I'll protect you. We'll protect Absolutely Meowth. Not. <laughs> They're not going to make Meowth read those things. <laughs> I'm never oh, gonna live that down. Ever. But uh, let's part- let's punch down at Vale for a minute. Yeah, let's Yay. switch over. Let's she forget- stop sneaking into people's bedrooms. God damn it! Oh <laughs> my God, Vale has no filter. <laughs> there's there's characters, and I'm gonna be honest. I don't hate Vale as Vale as much as a lot of people do. I do think she shows some interesting growth here. There's places where she goes by the end of the series that are really interesting, and it's like, oh, I can't believe they actually did that. But I guess I respect it. We'll 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 stick with that. She is a character please um someone talk about her first i need to so i want to hear what you think once upon a christmas there was this girl who was turning into a fart and her name was Vale, and she said i'm gonna make this everyone else's problem and so basically everything that ever goes wrong in avengers academy is because Vale is like no one is allowed to have boundaries because i'm dying and then she'll like fart on into some adult's room who she wants to take to bone town and it's like they're an adult and not into you veil and she's like how could you not be into me i have the worst costume anyone's ever made and it's like your bottom half is a fart and your top half is even more annoying 
and but you also somehow get out of here you also somehow are like i want you to be good because you're the first one i met you're Mm -hmm. like i thought you were the protagonist and you kind of are the protagonist but i don't like you and it's just it's brutal i feel like Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like she kind of falls into like a girl who's faced with a hard thing can't do anything but cry about it Mm-hmm. Which, like, I don't always love that trope. And so, like, mm-hmm. I feel bad blaming Vale for getting to be that character. But also, mm-hmm. like, I want to suck up Vale in a Dyson and not think about her ever again. So. I I did like the aspect of the um the Michael Korvac story, which is, like, no one else is going to save me. I have to save myself. That was good. Which was good. The only problem I had with it was it was a situation she put herself in to begin with. <laughs> Literally, she, she started it. She loves to like jump off the cliff and be like, "I can't believe you did this to me." <laughs> you jumped off the cliff. I'll just have to rescue myself. Like, what are you talking about? No one. Like, the Avengers—they aren't even by the cliff. They're off in like class, and she's like, "I'm plummeting." But she can fly. <laughs> she can fly. <laughs> That's a perfect example, Alexis. Like, I love. I love. She's like, yeah. I just have to save myself. It's like you didn't save yourself. You gave Stryker trauma. That's what you did. Yeah. Oh, I kid. will never. I'll never you not let him die. You let him die. Oh, they're like Stryker. You're being a real bitch. He's like, I died. I died. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but also you're not anymore. So I really think you should just kind of get over it, you little. Oh, everyone little else bitch does. Ass. Ask everyone how many times he's died. Just go fucking ask him. Everyone else got over not <laughs> dying in that. Why haven't you got over dying? Like, honestly, King, it's not that it's big not of a deal. And he's like, I felt what it feels like to die. He's like, I got shish kebab, damn it. I also think the most traumatic thing that happened to Stryker was that everyone got a cool level up and he got a goatee. Like, that was, <laughs> I cackled when, like, <laughs> Metal is huge. Hazmat's got this dope ass suit. Like Vale decides to be useless useless for five seconds. Vale got her titties, so she's yeah, so yeah. Vale got boobs, and <laughs> Reptile can turn into a full grown T Rex now. And then Striker's like, I also have a goatee now. Like That's why he died. That. That's why he's the only one. Like, that is so funny. That is so funny. It's the... a villain origin story. If I ever did see one, exactly. That is a super villain origin story. I also love that Stryker's always like, if they want us to be bad, then I guess we'll be bad. And it's like, what are you talking about, Stryker? Like, <laughs> go back to MTV. You are not the villain here. You want to be this bad boy, oh. but you're just in your black spandex with your mom that wants you to be you famous. You're not a villain. Oh, um, not to go back to metal, but think about Vale and Metal together. I think they had some really interesting moments during the Fear Itself arc when they were fighting the Nazis mm. and they were the two people that actually killed Nazis during that fight. And I think the way each one of them handled that was a really solid moment for the character. I like the fact that metal was a pacifist, even though he's the big broody brute guy. And he said, one of the things that freaked him out most about being in that future body is he didn't feel like killing was something he wouldn't do. That was mm-hmm. something like just looking at your future and realizing I might become a killer eventually. That's chilling. Yeah, I I think it was just an interesting thing to see that, like, the Avengers weren't really mad at those kids for killing. Right, and Tyler like, was encouraging it. Yeah, because I feel like we're used to, like, the Superman or the Batman version of, like, a strict no-kill mm-hmm. rule. Like, the Avengers don't really seem to have that rule. You know what I mean? 
there's been periods where they have had it. There was um during Busick's 90s run, um, Carol was actually put on trial at the end because she ended up killing one of the villains. And that was it's a really good moment for her character arc in that. But since then, the Avengers haven't had that big of a rule against it, especially Tiger. Tiger's I don't think she's ever really had that. I'd have to ask um, my favorite Tiger account. Everyone should go follow World of Tigra on Twitter. She knows everything about Tigra and it's always awesome about characters I don't really know about. So, um, yeah, it's just I it's it made it feel like it was wartime, which is something if you've read the actual Fear Itself event, I don't I didn't always get that from the main book. But this these tie ins gave it a lot of gravitas. And I think that's something that you don't see a lot in these Marvel events. You don't see like that human cost level of these like really big fights that happen. And it's just, it felt like a war zone. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the few times I saw an event tie in add to a story instead of detract from a story Mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, these kids, they finally get their happy moment and then the world falls apart because that's what it means to be an Avenger. Um. And instead of breaking, it actually kind of brings them together and makes puts them in the situation where they make these really heroic decisions. Like when Finesse is ready to just like sacrifice herself to blow up the Infinite Mansion and where Hazmat and Metal are like right there with her. Now the others want to leave because they're like, we don't want to leave you to do this by yourself. It's I thought that was a great moment. A great I mean, moment does, for all of them. It sounds like Alexis would have left Finesse to do it by herself. But. Oh, 100%. I hate that bitch. <laughs> I oh, like Finesse. Out. I like Task Lady. It's cool. Yeah. Who yeah, do you want? Oh, like I don't know my father. <laughs> okay. Don't get your ass beat by the guy you think he is. And he literally said, "I won't remember you." I said, "That was so funny." <laughs> I said, "You deserve that." <laughs> I don't know who you are, who and you I'm are. not going to remember this. <laughs> he goes, "I just fought you so I could steal your moves." <laughs> I Taskmaster is that bitch, frankly. He is that bitch. I love him. He's so funny. When he was like, I know the cape's a problem, but it's cool as hell. I, like I was it. like, absolutely I like it, it is. I was I like, think to the You got that stupid mask and that big old cape and those go-go boots. You've got pirate boots and a skull mask, Taskmaster. You're the most important villain the Avengers have ever faced. It's true. And okay. Going into going into finesse, finesse is one of the characters who I remember the first time through really, really stuck out to me. And I think it's moments like that scene with Taskmaster, where they have this moment of like, if you're a person who copies everything you see, then who are you really? Because everything you have belongs to someone else. Yeah, he totally called her out. He's like, you're an unoriginal. And I said, ha ha. Yes, you are. <laughs> I, it's interesting you saw those like the, the ha ha moments. I looked at that as like, the oh my God, both these characters are just like so lost and they don't have the they they taskmaster would never admit it because he's like i could feel lost but i'll forget it in a week anyway so that's just i thought that was such an interesting level that it gave to him and her and i think one of the cool parts that does come back later the the memory loss thing it does come back later and it plays really well into her relationship with reptile which was also a fun little aspect of the story i think i forgot about that we get moments where we actually see like maybe she is starting to care. Maybe she is starting to become more human just from interacting with all these people. And it's, you know, just moving all of them away from masters of evil, where she starts the story manipulating Quicksilver and basically like blackmailing him. Like, Hey, teach me how to be like Magneto or I'm going to tell everyone your dirty little secret. You inhuman monster. And, he's, <laughs> and he said, <laughs> no, 
to run away from your problems. It's what he's best at. Oh, he's so funny. Just, I I think she was a fast a fascinating aspect to the story. I agree. I think she was one of the more complex characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, actually, she is definitely a psychopath. 100%. She is definitely a psychopath. You know what I'm gonna say? That like this book was so character driven. I mean, mm-hmm. we're most of the way through this episode, and we haven't talked plot. We just talked characters because, mm-hmm. like, that is the strength of this book. Yeah, and they got the plot. The the characters are the plot, and so mm-hmm. we the big action scene really is like our reptile and finesse really gonna end up together, or is she just using him for his reptile body? You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Is she is scaly? We'll find out next week. <laughs> we'll find out next week. He can he can make Velociraptor arms, Velociraptor tail. What else can he make, Velociraptor? Find out next week. <laughs> he can make all the parts of Velociraptor except the feathers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Them stupid raptor broken wrists. Every time I see yeah. a raptor with wrists like this, I want to scream. Pronated hands. Stop it. Anyways. <laughs> Your raptor should be able to karate chop. Exactly. Not push a grocery In. cart. In? They are not women. They are men. <laughs> is, is your raptor eh? Eh? <laughs> like, there are plenty of dinosaurs that are eh. Raptors are... <laughs> <laughs> Raptors are not are, are not part of the part of the LGBTQ community. Thank you very much. They we are do not claim them. There is no V in LGBT. <laughs> the T stands for Therizinosaurus. Exactly, it does. It does. Definitely Those not big T-Rex. old arms. Definitely not T Rex. That's too basic. <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. That is so stupid. Uh, Therizinosaurus is definitely a dinosaur. I could see doing Dallas's stereotypical like gay voice that he was doing at the beginning of the show, just like "Hello." (laughs) I got these big old arms. (laughs) Thank you. You can't find the rest of my body. Just these big old arms. Oh, what was what was talking about dinosaurs? Let's just continue to torture Lexi for a minute. Let's talk about reptile. I actually don't mind him. He's kind of funny. You don't mind him? Yeah. He just reminds me of Person Beast Boy. So he's the only person. If Beast Boy were a person, which he is not, by the way, nope. Beast Boy is not a person. He's green. Don't at me. <laughs> He's green. <laughs> Do you need to read the Starbelly Sneeches again? Is that where we're at? <laughs> is that the, the very special episode of the podcast we're coming oh. to? Oh, we should I? All of my picks from here on out are going to be Doctor Seuss books. Thank you, thank you very much. Cancelled. There's- <laughs> Reptile's the only character in this book that actually came from something like of the main six that came from something else because he spawned out of the initiative was very which was very much this book but for that civil war era where it's like very militarized very you know um very rigid it came from you know the civil war where they're like you have to register to be a hero and if you want to be a hero you have to go through the initiative and we'll assign you to your state and all this fun stuff it's like superhero kids but in the military and it gives it different flavor than this book entirely and i think it's really really great that at least one of those characters got to continue on from that and i think reptile found a much better voice here than he ever had in the initiative which is really really cool him being team leader really really clicks because it takes him a minute to get there because he has to get control of himself first and seeing him go through that seeing him realize like hey i can still be awesome as myself i don't need to skip forward to be awesome i can figure this out on my own i can lead them because I can also figure out my own way. I thought that was a really cool arc for him to have. I agree. I think 
the biggest strength of this book was seeing these kids go from dumpster fires to more secure adult human beings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's that's the main goal of any of these academy books is like watching the kids grow up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I oh, feel yeah. like this is one of the ones where we actually see it. We don't skip the moments to when they're grown up. We yeah. can see when they're awful to when they're great. Yeah. And there's more about growing up than just like finding responsibility. There's also like finding yourself. And I think one of the cool aspects of him coming from the initiative book is at the beginning, you definitely feel that he definitely feels more rigid than the others. He feels more like he's like the captain America of the group in the way that he's like, this is how things should be run. And I will make sure they're run that way. I'm the one that wants to be the hero. I'm going to be the good student. But then we see him start to loosen up, loosen up as the series goes along. One of the, it's such a small moment, but the moment at the end of the prom issue where he finally reverts back to his younger form and he gets that pie in the face and he just looks so happy afterwards as he's like chasing after the person who just pied him. I thought that was also a moment of growth, even though it's him being more childlike. I think that was great for him to finally break loose some of those bonds. I agree. I feel like a lot of these kids at the beginning of the book fit roles that they felt like were appropriate to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like Finesse saw herself as sort of robotic and just her skills because that's what she even taught to be. I think Reptile saw himself as the Captain America leader of the group. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And over the course of the 20 issues we read, we saw a lot of that chip away. And I think that's an important part of just growing up as a human being is realizing that you contain multitudes. You're more than one thing. I think a big part of like early, late junior high, early high school for me was like trying to play a specific part that I thought I was supposed to be. And it's been fun to shed that mm-hmm. over the years and just realize that I am just a cartoon character that only likes exactly. three things. It's just a big old weenie. <laughs> <laughs> to, to quote my favorite abuela, you are more than just your gifts. So Ooh, We are not bringing that damn movie out of this podcast. You take that we, rep back We down. don't talk nope. about that movie. <laughs> We don't talk about that or Bruno, damn it. <laughs> um, but thinking about like characters fitting into that specific niche they think they should and eventually grow out of that, let's cover the last student, Stryker. What did y'all think about Stryker? He's that bitch, frankly. That bitch? Mm-hmm. That bitch. I love that idiot boy. And I think he's dramatic. And I think he's annoying. And I love that for him. <laughs> I love that he got shish kebobbed and made it everyone else's problem. Well, as one would. You know how I was mentioning, like, every character, like, they have, like, a moment. They have a single moment where they're like, okay, I understand, like, why I've been doing everything I've been doing. Let me take a moment, reevaluate myself. Let's let's have the shift. They have their, like, come to Jesus moment, like, Hazmat had it when she's like, I can't give up my powers, so I'm going to be useless. Mm -hmm. Reptile has that when he, like goes into a dinosaur and bites someone and then again when he turns into his older form striker's moment i think actually happens after this arc which is one of the reasons i was telling you it's like i think 20 is the perfect stopping point because it's like the halfway point through this entire series but if we'd gone a few more issues we would have found out a really big part about striker and he's he's the big gay isn't he he's the big gay he's the big he's the big he's the big gay in the group he actually it's one of my it's one of my favorite moments in the group because julie powers who is also gay um i think she's bi actually i need to double check she's part of the community and she's like um 
talking about her girlfriend and Stryker starts acting weird around her because of it and starts like asking questions and because he's been such a big like womanizer and pervert so far she takes us like no look i'm not whatever your interest is with me and my partner i'm not having it get the fuck away from me creep not dealing with it and he keeps persisting about it until eventually comes to the showdown where she like she actually shoots him with like her powers it's just like i'm not i'm not doing any of this i'm not making out with my girlfriend in front of you i'm not playing this part for you and he's like no no it's it's i think i'm gay too and then she just like stares at him she's like oh oh you want to talk about it (laughs) and then they have this moment where it's just like him talking about everything he's done so far has been like him being confused and like overcompensating for something that he couldn't understand and i was i found an interview with christos gage saying that he was actually hinting at this all the way back in issue five because there was the flashback to um strikers past with norman osborne and there's the scene where he's like surrounded by a bunch of like gorgeous women and he looks like completely like out of it like he's like i don't want to be here at all i don't know what i'm doing what is life right now he said part of the intent of just like that one specific panel was to set up the fact that he is very very confused and this isn't a situation he wants to be in for many reasons and i thought that was a really interesting journey for him to go on in that regard that is interesting Hmm. so yeah even though we stopped right here these characters still go through a lot of different development and growth throughout the next 20 issues they don't slow down we get more characters added but we the focus stays on these six it is fully insane that this book got 40 issues yeah it's just that doesn't happen today i was reading an interview where they were actually just talking about it at this halfway point and christos they were asking christos gage like are you afraid of cancellation and he's like yes because this book has been holding consistent sales wise it was never a big seller but he says it's been holding consistent which is good enough to keep it going but he said they were at a level where if like a single copy dropped from every comic store in america the book would have been canceled so it it hung on the edge for an extra 20 issues after that, which is really cool. That and I'm glad bananas. it did. That's kind of how I feel about Strange Academy right now. Right. It's like every issue of that book is such a gift to me because I'm like, I don't know anyone else reading this book, but like it is so special. And the fact that it's hitting issue 18, I'm like, mm-hmm. you're real? This is We're hitting an issue 18, which is the most broken, sad thing for a comics fan. But like that's where we're at <laughs> I at the moment. To- I need to jump on it and I'll start promoting the shit out of it. I'll, I'll get on that. I'll try to boost it. I'll Give do it my that, that, do your due diligence for me. Save my little book that I love so much. I'll pull my future state Aquaman magic and get it at, at least, if not a continuation, a bunch of miniseries that spin off later. So exactly. I'll go back into heebie-jeebies and buy it. Damn it. It's very good. Very good. Weenies with my presence again. It's a very good book. Um... What else do we do? We have a lot more to say about these kids. About these kids, I don't think so. I think we can start if you want to look at the teachers a little bit, because I think there's some things to say about them. I like it. I I think the teachers were the real strong point for me, actually. Really? Which sounds really? weird. Yeah, I like. I thought the kids were fine, but like, I don't think I imprinted on these kids quite like I did, say, like the Young Avengers, and. I don't have a good reason for that. Like, I was like, oh, I like these kids. I like these stories. I, But it just, like, it didn't, like, suck me in. But what I found myself sucked in on is, like, I cared a lot about Hank Pym and Tigra and Speedball. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. seeing these adults who I know as damaged 
coming into themselves because they have to be the grownups for the kids. And I don't know, maybe it's just like the time of life that I'm in, but Mm -hmm. I found that more compelling to be like, sometimes you do have to sort out your own shit because like other people depend on you to sort yourself out. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't really have the luxury of being selfish anymore. Like these kids do. Exactly. And it's so interesting. There's a lot of people that will cite this story as like the story that either hooked them onto a character like Tigra or Justice or the one that turned them around on a character like Hank Pym or Speedball. I think it's because it does a lot of damage control, not just with the not just with the students who are, you know, start this as potential masters of evil, but with the adults who are like, we're broken and we got through it. And then as you read the story, you're like, maybe you haven't gotten through it as much as you think you have. And that's such an interesting journey where these characters help each other grow and i think that's makes for a much more dynamic master student like relationship than one where it's like the master is perfect they know everything and the student has to be perfect just like them i think it makes it two sides of one constantly forming unique puzzle i agree alexis do you have any thoughts on the grown-ups well (laughs) i did kind of mention like the funny things about uh uh tigra earlier but um i thought it was really interesting to see hank in a comic because like i have my movie knowledge mm-hmm. of old man hank pin but i i really enjoyed his character in this and i'm very intrigued by like i don't know like his little scientific thing that he's got going on but and him bringing back his wife from the dead like a little Frankenstein over there. But I don't know. I feel like he just had a lot of interesting things going on. And I liked whenever he showed up. And like his moment with Hazmat, I was like, mm-hmm. it's not. Dad? <laughs> it's like not common that Hank Pym has these really interesting moments where he's not completely messing things up. Yeah. So I think that was really good for him. It's nice when he has moments where it's like, I'm not making the super death mega robot and I'm not hitting my wife so i'm actually an interesting character right now. yeah he's so. like i'm just trying to keep these little shitheads together at this point he's just being <laughs> dead mom so. he's a really good dead mom that's really good dead mom and have you read rage of ultron i haven't yet it's actually on my comiXology i got the free digital copy a while ago but i never read it it's it's very good actually i'll Fun check fact. it out yeah i that seems like a weird one that like mm-hmm. Early in your comics career, you pick up weird stuff that, yeah. like, I wouldn't pick that book up now. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't walk by and be like, Rage of Ultron. I bet that rules. But for whatever reason, like, 16-year-old me was like, I want to know more about Ultron. The movie's about to come out. I'm going to pick up this one because I think it looks neat. And then it turned out by, like, this hidden gem that mm-hmm. is – it's my other favorite Hank Pym story, frankly. Okay. It's I will check good, it out. It's a good one. It – I don't think it's in canon, or they never address it again like it was. It's, isn't that the one where he fuses with Ultron? Mm-hmm. It's definitely in canon. It is? Yep, because Word. that fusion shows up in um, Secret Empire, because, like, <laughs> Captain America's, like, fascist forces and, like, the Resistance, like, show up at his doorstep at the same time, and he's literally there in an apron that says, like, kiss the cook or something like that, and he's like, hey, I'm so glad you guys can make it. I had to talk to you. Um, Yeah, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> And that I think that's the last time we saw him in canon. He's still fused with Ultron, as far as, far as I know. Word. Well, anyway, that book rules, by the way. 
Well, much much better than Age of Ultron, which also yeah. came out at the same time. And I bought because again, I was like the movie, and that one was bad. So I bought two <laughs> Ultron books that year. One was very good, and one was not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Age of Ultron. The other the other time I had to watch Captain Marvel die. Why is it every time Captain Marvel dies, it's because of fucking Ultron? I hate this robot boy. I hate him. I just. Uh, I don't think I've ever read that interesting of an Ultron story, frankly. That's that's an interesting. Honestly, you want my hot type, my my hot hot take. I think the most interesting Ultron's ever been was the Age of Ultron movie. Interesting. Yep, because I think that's the only one that portrayed him as a compelling and broken character. Because he's, it's like the one in the comics is like so like sharp and like intuitive all the time it's like i'm based on hank pym i'm going to destroy the world the one in the movie is like off tony stark so he's like i am just a absolute mess i need therapy i'm going to kill everything to get some peace and quiet (laughs) and i thought that was much more interesting i liked the personality they gave him but like i said that's a hot topic i'm definitely in the minority there it's okay i love iron man 3 i think that's one of the best mcu movies so shout out to good taste on this podcast lexi everybody. what's your hot take that the proves you have good taste oh no <laughs> probably not this time i'll probably get booted for my hot takes hot take yeah. i like all the mcu movies <laughs> oh that's a spicy one that's a spicy you know what a... actually my hot take is and what's your hot take captain marvel movie makes me want to jump off a cliff oh <gasps> I low-key oh. agree. I low-key agree. I don't like the Captain Marvel movie. Okay. They did not do her justice. They didn't. Evil. Her comic. Mm, love her. Mm-hmm. Love her. But movie? It's okay. I, I will write you I will write you both a letter about how it counts as a trans allegory and then just <laughs> Okay. That's Word. all I that's all I got going for it. I have the singles perspective that makes this movie work as well as it does for me but otherwise yeah it would probably be pretty mid if i didn't have this perspective on it. okay that's fair that's fair but also like i like a fair amount of mid crap you know what i mean <laughs> like who am i i love he-man i love he-man and that he-man has he-Man. never done anything significant ever <laughs> to be he-man to be oh. he-man okay there's um before we move on from the teachers i want to talk just a second about how comics were addressing a lot of things back in the early 2000s because i see the shift probably around the marvel now time because in the 2000s comics were starting to it, it felt like comics were trying to be more mature and by doing so they're like how do we be more mature let's involve all these really mature themes and aspects to our stories and i think we see some of those come through in characters like speedball and tigra because we see um speedball who was once penis penance and like um just for reference after civil war because speedball was part of the incident that started civil war so he was part of the reason that that school got blown up and afterwards he suffered from a lot of guilt and depression of it and he went through this really edgy phase where he became this hero called penance and the whole gag behind penance is that he was edge incarnate is this character with this really spiky armor you couldn't see his face at all and inside the armor it was like an iron maiden there were like these spikes that were always poking into his body and causing him consistent pain because after that, the guilt made it so that his powers could only be activated by pain. He was like a superhero masochist. And this is the first time we saw him as speedball after that era. And this is him trying to recover from that. And 
that's why that moment where they go back to the scene where everything happens happened in Civil War um, happened. And we see him cutting himself before that because his powers still haven't completely come back from that. And I think looking at how he deals with trauma and how he's coping with like the self-harm that he was very much putting himself through for years is still part of his character is something that I don't think we would see a lot in comics today. Cause it's just, it, it feels very two thousands in that way. Like there's a period of time where it's like, this is exactly what comics were doing all the time. And I want to ask like, how did that moment land with you two? Did that feel like it was out of place? Did it feel like it worked or did it feel that's just what I want to know. Did it land? It felt totally consistent with mm-hmm. the book for me, you know, like this felt like the book where everybody was going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and surprised me. I don't know. Like I knew about penance. I knew mm-hmm. that whole shtick, you know? So like right. to see him putting forward the speedball persona while like very clearly still being penance in his heart was like an interesting dichotomy for me. Mm-hmm. I also like, I'm not someone who, struggles with thoughts of self-harm so like for me it was more just like huh interesting and like i moved on you know whereas yeah. like i do think that it's somewhat wise that these things don't just like pop up out of the blue in right. comics now because mm-hmm. like i wouldn't feel comfortable writing a story about the ins and outs of self-harm because like i don't know what that's all about mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i think the 2000s was an era of comic books where a lot of people who did not have the perspectives they needed to felt very comfortable being like i can speak on this it's yeah like, can you can you i don't know if you can say so that's the that's the part that in, that made this era of comics just very hit and miss for me a lot of times because i was talking about it a while ago it's like this is a time where we're just coming out of it by the time avengers academy starts but it's a time where a lot of female superheroes were being very majorly objectified and sexualized on the page and then you have other comics like alias happening at the same time where themes of sexual assault are also very common and they're being compared against each other where it's like here's on one hand where we're very much objectifying the women on the page but also books saying like hey don't objectify women and maybe treat them as people but we're using their trauma and their abuse to like symbolize that and it feels very like tonally dissonant for me and i think it's interesting how this tries in several ways to kind of damage control that because we have the moment with jessica jones there i think it works and sometimes it doesn't we have the moment with jessica jones where she's like i'm talking to reptile after his traumatic incident where he turned into the raptor and almost killed mentalo i think it was and she's like just so you know he never did this to me even though everyone thinks he does which is a moment that definitely doesn't work for me because if you remember the Alias comic, with the one of the first times that she meets the Purple Man, the the first thing he does is have her like stripped down, which is her engaging in a sexual activity that she doesn't want to. So that does still count as assault, even if he didn't touch her, you know. And it's just, it's moments like that where it's like I understand what Christos Gage is trying to do. And this is why I gave that trigger warning at the beginning of the thing, because there are some heavy parts, especially when we get into like what Tigra went through in New Avengers number 35, which is what this is referencing I was, here. I was shocked yeah, at like it's, how much of that we saw play out on the screen. It's, and it's worse because it's the whole thing happens in its entirety in New Avengers number 35. Yeah, I was just like, this is banana pants. It's, like I kept expecting it to like cut away. You know what I mean? Right, and it just right. wasn't cutting away. I was like, stop stop it we got the point stop it 
it's one of the interesting things because this book, The Heroic Age, was very much the moment that bridged what we would see in like Alias and what we'd see in the books like that versus what happens in Marvel now where it's like, you know, Captain Marvel has pants now and they're actually giving more books to female characters where they're not feeling like they need to objectify them all the time. So to see like how this treats issues like this is very interesting to me as a reader and just like kind of thinking about like the history of like cape shit through these eras. And I just wanted to bring that perspective to it because I know it's something that like um friends who talk about Tiger Online talk about all the time how that's handled and one of the reasons why this book helps with that because it helps Tigra get over that in some really interesting ways I thought her getting out and actually like talking about the tape after it launched and taking like power over it I think that was a very mature and interesting way to handle that moment and seeing how she reacts to the kids afterwards also feels very like realistic and powerful and I think that's it's it's hard because it's a hard thing to read, but also very, very compelling at the same time. I agree. I This book is just such an interesting artifact in right. so many ways, you know? Because, like, when I think of something like Young Avengers, I rarely think of the first run, even though I love it. Mm-hmm. I often think of, like, the revamp from Kieran Gillen, which is a very... And Jamie McKelvey, which is a very modern version of this right. you know and like the adventures academy kids they don't have their modern revamp we we only get the late like the 2010 version of the story you know warts mm-hmm. and all and so i i've had a, a really fascinating time period to revisit with comics mm-hmm. because i feel like this it's the era that got missed for me you know I don't often read things from like 2009 to 2012. They just don't come up. I, I hear that a lot from a lot of people, which is interesting. Yeah, because like I started reading comics in 2013. Same. And so the things that had happened in 2011 didn't seem far enough ago to like go back to. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like a classic run, you know? But now that's 10 years ago. And sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I would like like to see what they were doing 10 years ago in comics you know mm-hmm. that's a weird thing to think when i started reading comics 10 years <laughs> ago was 2003 and now 10 years yeah. ago is 2012 yeah. that's horrifying <laughs> mortifying i am shaking and throwing up in the bushes <laughs> yeah it's it's just i think this book really symbolizes so much about that shifting tone and i think honestly it's a shifting tone for the better because a lot of these stories as deep and dark as they could be i think they rarely landed as well as they should and i think that decision to shift away from that and to tell you know still very adult very emotional stories but just with other aspects of life was a smart one i agree i think there's a a post 9-11 nihilism that was in comics that i feel like has faded a little bit where we still want to talk about heavy topics. I think comics are being written to adults. Comics have been written to adults since like the mid nineties. Basically Marvel went bankrupt because they realized kids weren't going to buy comics anymore. So then they're like, let's write to adults. And then nine 11 happens. And they're like, we all feel terrified. And like, we have to like get it out on the page. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're in an interesting place now where there isn't that same gut wrenching fear. If that makes sense. And like, yeah. we don't, mm-hmm. I feel like we're facing things now that we don't want to look right in the eyes in our media. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, I don't want to do the hard hitting story about the coronavirus. Like no one wants to read that. No one wants to right. write that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, 
it's interesting to see comics as as a newspaper almost of what the world is like at yeah. any given moment. They re- they reflect that cultural zeitgeist. It's funny that the thing that started out being printed on newsprint has become like a pseudo history of the world when you view them that way. I just that's so it's so cool in so many ways. It's just like like you know like fossil layers and like sandstone where you can like trace back the trace back the years that's what mm-hmm. comics are by the decade it is and so this book for me was really fun because i was 13 to 16 in 2010 you know what i mean like oh, yeah. i was these kids mm-hmm. age these are technically the kids that are my age in comic books and so it was fun to relive that and be like oh my exact childhood is being portrayed right here and all the emotions that come with that within that specific moment. And so I'm I'm glad you had us read this. And this is yeah, a good awesome. This is a good book. I love the fact that I haven't lost yet. No she L's. Lose. Only W's. Me, <sighs> me and Alexis have both taken L's, frankly. <laughs> I've been Wait, what like was, What was your L? I feel like you guys didn't love Doom Patrol very much. I know Alexis I... hated Doom Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> I like Doom Patrol. It's so just, bad. it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Doom Patrol is like the book that'll come back in like a year and tell you like, oh my god, that was actually really, really good. So just give give it like six more months and I'll hit you up and I'll, we'll talk about it. Good, good, good. I just feel bad because Alexis took the big L off of a book that like oh. a million people recommended to her. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't blame Alexis. I blame society. <laughs> yeah. Y'all blame oh. me. <laughs> It's okay, because you're about to have us read one of the greatest books of all time for your... Which can only be a W. It's going to be such a dub. I've started reading it already. It's really, really cute. Isn't I like it? it a lot. It's so, it's so nice. The scene where the snow like pauses and then falls all at once. Yeah. It's one of my favorite <laughs> comics things that ever happened. It's like the third page. I know, and it's that good. Good. Just... <laughs> Are there any other aspects of this, either the story arcs or different themes that we want to hit on before we jump into questions? I, I think, think we, with time constraints, I want to just go into the questions. Just into the questions then. So just alternating back and forth, I'll start. The first one is from Tux. Um, Hazmat's partnered with Captain Marvel right now. So what other Academy Kid plus older hero partnerships would you want to see? Hmm. Hmm. I want to see Dr. Doom get rid of Vale. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you mind if I tell you what happens to Vale at the end? Yeah, yes. does she die? No, she just stops being a hero. I think, I'm pretty sure she cures herself and she just goes back to being a regular person. That's good. good. That, she deserves good. that. Good. She deserves to be regular. Oh my gosh. A regular. Regular. A regular. Hmm. I do think she redeems herself a bit in the later arcs, but I'd have to read it again to be sure. I disagree. I haven't read them. <laughs> no, you know who I okay, feel like should perfect, hang out? Perfect for Twitter. Who should hang out? Yeah, I feel like Vale and Quicksilver are actually the oh same person. Just <laughs> being so fucking dramatic all the time. Those two would vibe. Quicksilver's whole vibe is just... Drama. Everyone needs to slow down for a minute. My dad is Magneto. Ooh, ooh, poor me. Magneto is my father. Oh, oh my gosh! I would love to see. Thinking about it, I want to see with. I want to see finesse with someone, and you know, just thinking like a finesse ganging up with um 
Black Widow's current little crew of women, that would be really cool. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I'm surprised she hasn't, because like clearly Kelly Thompson loves these Avengers Academy kids. That's clearly. True. I'll just need to find some way to resurrect Nettle. <laughs> oh. Poor boy. If only comics could find out a way to bring a character back from the dead. If only. We'll, we'll just bad. have to... They just, just stay permanently dead all Exactly. The time. Everyone's just Uncle Ben. Just <laughs> Bunkle Ben. Bunkle Ben. Bunkle dead. Ben. Um, all right. Thank you, Tux. Junie Mauricio writes, Question for the Avengers Academy. Greetings from Brazil. Comics collective peeps. So, something I realized is that a lot of comic book readers seem to have a favorite young superhero team that can best be described as gremlins who cause problems on purpose. <laughs> Mine are the forever people and the young gods of Supertown, and the Avengers Academy kids seem to be Anne's. And given how little I know about them, I want to ask why. What is it about the Avengers Academy kids that drew you to them so much, Anne? Also, Taylor's for the collective. Uh, do the two of you have a team of troublemaking young superheroes you love? Oh, so addressing my part first, I think I would hope a lot of this episode ties into that, but it's just I love these seeing these complex characters go from asshole to not. I think seeing their arcs through this entire run really won me over on them. Hazmat is my, one of my top five Marvel characters ever. No joke. I love seeing her. I want to see more of her. She just, she hits me really hard. And yeah, they just gain to see how they grow. It's not common. I get to see it as done as well as it was in this book. So that's why they stick out to me. Okay, how about you, Lex? Favorite I, gremlins? Favorite gremlins. I would have to say the Invincible Kids because I feel like they're little shitballs, but they're just freaking hilarious. So appreciate the, them. The teen Rex. team. Mm-hmm. You like the teen team? Mm-hmm, the teen team. Duplicate and Hazmat would get along. Duplicate and Hazmat would get along. Yes, they would. I, that's a good. That's a good pick. I like the teen team. Um, my favorite Grim. I'm a huge X Men fan. I love all gens. Um, personally though, like Morrison's school, the Zorn class with like Ernst and No Girl and Quentin Quire, the Cuckoos, Armor, like. I love that class of little dummies. And even though they turn out to be bad guys, that is the the version of Avengers Academy where they're like, actually, we are evil. And then later, I just have been like, no, they're not. No, no, they're good. No. They're good kids. <laughs> Quentin Quire isn't a neo-Nazi. No, he's not. No, Morris no. is like, Fine. absolutely, he is. He is. <laughs> Was, wasn't Glob a little shit like early he on? He was a Nazi. Him yeah, and Quentin Quire were both alt-right Nazi kids. And everyone's like, oh, look at Glob. Look at Glob. He's so cutie. I was like, <laughs> do you not remember Riot at Xavier's? What are you talking about? <laughs> you simpletons. The Did yassification not- of those two pink boys has been horrible. <laughs> Zero out of five weird? stars. Isn't, isn't turning people away from Nazism what we want? Isn't- I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yes, but no. <laughs> Punish them. Send them to the pit. What in the choir becoming like this Chad BF? Like, I have pink hair and I date the cuckoos. Like, shut up. You were a creepy little perv. You were that kid from Knives Out masturbating in the bathroom to a dead deer. Like, that's who you were, Quentin Choir. And I'm sick of us pretending like you weren't. And then Glob Herman's like, yeah. And you're like, and you were his sidekick too. You weird goo man. And the cuckoos are like, yeah, that's how the cuckoos sound in my head. All of them talking at once. 
And it's like, you're evil little hoes too. All of you. A lot of you. Evil. So those are your favorite children. Those are my favorite kids. I like the little bit. I like those little villain kids. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> love that for you. Love I do. It. I just, I love them. I love them. Whenever I see them, I'm like, ah. And then I get mad and then I get happy again. And it's a whole thing. It's what being a comic fan's all about. Just a roller coaster of emotions. Except Glob Herman. I don't care about that guy at all. Much like Vale, Dyson vacuum cleaner. <laughs> they can go in the same Dyson vacuum cleaner, frankly. Jello Man and Fart Girl. Don't care about them. They date. All right. <laughs> so I will go ahead and read our question from Glenn Chet. Avengers Academy question. Hello, Academy dropouts. Rude. <laughs> Why do you think the Avengers Academy book and its crew didn't have the same success as the young Avengers characters? Thanks. Not gay enough fast enough. Not gay enough fast enough. That is 100%. First 10 it's- issues. First they, 10 issues, always. First five. They didn't Kieran Gillenify them. Kieran Gillen did not benevolently look down on this class of misfits and go, you know what you need? Marvel Boy. <laughs> you know what's actually really interesting about this book? Apparently, it was supposed to originally be Dan Slott writing this. But then, like, if I could pull up that part of the interview, Dan Slott was initially supposed to be writing this, but then he was supposed to be co-writing it with Christos Gage, but then eventually it just became just Gage's book. I'm pretty sure Slott read something that he did on like the initiative and it's like, you're actually really good. Do you want to read this? Do you want to just do this book by yourself? And Gage was like, sure, let's, let's do it. And that's how this, this, that's, this happened. It makes me wonder how it would have been different if it had been Slott. It would have been somehow hornier, but less <laughs> horny in a good way. If that makes sense, like up up of the bad horny, yeah, like it, like if you remember Silk's Silk's introduction in Amazing Spider Man, like yep, yep. Dan Slot, I'm a noted Dan Slot defender. So here you go, everyone that wants me to critique the guy. I think he writes sexual chemistry like a 14 year old boy, where he's like, and then the big booby lady was like, I love when we have sexy time, you. <laughs> And, like, the only reason that Fantastic Four has escaped that is because they're all married. And for some reason, like, marriage he can write well, where it's like, I love you, honey. Wow, this is great. But, like, courtship and dating is so horny in a weird way when Dan Slott writes it. And I don't want that out of this book. I did. It, I feel like there would be some cancelable panels if Dan yep. Slott had written this book. Which is, I would think there are some cancelable panels if this had come out like today, but that's besides the point. Let's see. Um, honestly, I also think it has to do with recognizability. Because part of the gag of the Young Avengers is that they all looked like Avengers, and they all looked like they came from other Avengers. So there's that relationship there. Like you pick up Young Avengers because like, oh, this looks like a little Thor. This looks like a little Hulk. This looks like a little Hawkeye. And it's like, even if they're definitely very, very different from that. That's what gets people to pick up the book. Familiarity will make people pick up a book. I also, this might just be a tasting. I think it's better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like reading the original Young Avengers. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the Jim Chung era of mm-hmm. Young Avengers. But like I read that and I'm like, wow, I am so excited for this in the MCU. I'll hate it so much. But like, I ah, love you idiots. I don't know what it is. I like it. I feel like I, I somehow sound like I didn't love Avengers Academy. I did. I liked it a lot. <laughs> we all did. 
It's okay. You it's like you can like something a lot, but still like something more. Yes. True. So Preach. true. Okay. Dusty. This next question comes from Eduardo Perez Rubio. Um, hey, Comics Collective crew. Hope you're all having a great new year so far. I am. Thank you very much. I don't know about these two. Um, seeing that you are reading Avengers Academy, a.k.a. My Marvel Academia, it got me thinking, what are some criminally underrated series for you? For me, definitely Joshua Williamson's Illuminati, The Kill Lock, and the original Sam Nova run. Sincerely, Ed. So, and what are your criminally underrated books? Let's do like three, because we um, can go on a rampage. Ooh, so the first one I always say, I always say Manhunter by um, Mark and Draco. That's such a lost gem in DC's history. It's just Kate Spencer's a wonderful character. She's like Daredevil. If Daredevil did not give a shit, she's like, I will, I will mess you up and I don't care. And seeing her arc in that is great. There's also, um, ooh, I'm just trying to think about it. It's, there's during the um, new Krypton saga, the super um the superman new krypton stuff the nightwing and flamebird series was really really great those are two characters that are basically either completely different now or completely lost i loved that that run and the last one i'm blanking on right now i had thought of it right before this but i'm currently <laughs> currently blanking on it dallas do you want to go while i'm trying to remember what this was yes uh strange academy by umberto ramos and scotty young is incredible ongoing right now i think very underrated um the batman superman run from gene luen yang from last year incredibly underrated and it has the gene luen yang dc curse where it gets canceled for no good reason and i think that that book is super underrated and Everything by Tilly Walden is underrated, in my opinion. But I'm going to point you specifically to On a Sunbeam, because I think it's the best place to start with Tilly's work. Those are my three underrated gems that people have to read. Alexis, do you have some underrated gems that you feel like you've gotten to read? I'm trying to think. I really loved Friday. I don't know why. That one was a good one. That was recent. The longer that sticks with me, the more I like that one. Yeah, it's like... I don't know. It's like a rash. It just keeps spreading. I like it. <laughs> you should you should read some more Ed Brubaker. I'm down. Yeah, let's you know, do it. you Will know they the... also give me a rash. Yes. You know okay. that book Fatal that you liked the covers of Lex? Mm-hmm. On Comicsology? Same guy. Oh, is that That's why I same... liked those? Probably. Same writer. Glenn said Velvet. Velvet. So ah, there's very literally excited. hardly any missing with Ed Brubaker. Okay. Well, there you go. Those ones. <laughs> and bone. I think read bone, damn it. <laughs> if I had to give a third one, just because this is one I think everyone should be reading. It's such and it's the, the main character is obviously named after me because, you know, I definitely happened before Anne Bonnie. Mm-hmm. But if you read A Man Among Ye by Stephanie um, Phillips, it's, it's so good. good. It's a good yeah. one. Sexy lesbian pirates. Just do it. I, I can't believe I have to say more than that. Just read it. Boom bam. That's how you fix Boom, that. Boom bam. <laughs> okay. So that's all the questions? Question mark? We we had one more from Jesse um Rukuff, and it just says um thoughts on Best Boy Reptile, which we I think we've already kind of covered that. But I want to just kind of add to that. If you had dinosaur powers, Dallas, what would be the first thing you turned yourself into? Oh, oh boy, we'll be here another two hours. Damn it, man. <laughs> just the first thing, just the first thing. Allosaurus. Allosaurus, Allosaurus is my favorite boy. That's a solid one. That's a How really about you? solid Allosaurus? one. 
Ooh. How about you? I think maybe like a Microraptor, just because I want to like do the little flying gliding thing. I Aww. think my, Microraptors are so cool. Little flying squirrel. Little flying squirrel with teeth. With teeth. I'd be an Archaeopteryx, and then yes. I would do the dramatic death pose with my wings. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> you're like, Addy, Addy, get in here. Look, get in. Look, look how I throw it I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm proof that we're birds. <laughs> That's on my bucket list to go to Berlin to see that original fossil. <laughs> then that would be so cool. Invite me when you do. Then I'd turn into a Therizinosaurus, just drape a beach towel over my arm and just walk to the beach. Be like, what's up? Here, I got let's a go pop belly. The- I'm here to party. Let's go to the beach. Beach, let's go get a wave. <laughs> I got big claws, claws. I know what to say. You aren't even saying the right ones. You know it's Littlefoot. Come on. <laughs> Turn into Littlefoot. I'm Littlefoot. I don't want to be a sauropod. Are you kidding me? No. Ooh, boring Ooh. question. Boring. Nope. Littlefoot you, all the way. Imagine okay. entering a room where your head enters like five minutes before the rest of you. No exactly. one wants to do that. Like, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. <laughs> boom, boom, be boom, on boom, time. Boom. Most of you. <laughs> go through the drive-thru it's just like thanks you pick up your food and the people are still waiting like 10 minutes behind you no you're little little foot is little forever little foot never grows because he was fossilized anyways she killed little foot (laughs) anyways we've killed little foot so let's go ahead and end the podcast alright you savage oh all right, everyone, if you like the show and want to hear more of our shenanigans throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can follow all of us at, um, at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review, and we'll read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for a TBA episode. TBA. We had, a, a we had planned of, something. We had something. And then somebody decided to spring on us that she wasn't going to be here oh, to I talk forgot. about Bone. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to Disneyland. Oh, that's Bye. so nice. See the, the real life Bone. Or, you know what bone was inspired by it wasn't yeah yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. bone mickey. is Surprise. literally mickey Talk mouse mickey so uh, and and i will figure out what we yeah. want to talk about next week we'll, we'll pick something good it, go to the twitter be, and find out fine. go to I'm twitter thinking, i want to read one of your green arrow recommendations oh that would actually be a really good one i could i could be up for some green arrow this week We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. Figure it out. You people call my people. We'll do lunch. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. All right. We have to get off and we have to record a very special cameo on Comic Book Couples Counseling. (gasps) Oh my gosh. It's so good. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.